0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the twenty 99th episode. We're not ones to keep you waiting, so we're gonna jump right into that now.
1: I was completely disappointed because they were just boring as can be. nothing, and it was, exciting to me. Definitely like reveals a different kind of life. Anyways, so yeah, so I sold I sold a comic book and offset the cost. So there you go. Okay, cool. The better thing I did last night, or at least the the less expensive thing, is I finished watching season one of Cobra Kai.
0: Oh, cool. Okay. Yes.
1: And I think I had told you about midway through the first season, I was finally starting to really like the show. Uh Not that I disliked it off the bat, but it was hitting me as being really cheesy right off the bat. Oh, it is. Not in a good way. Right? It's... (laughs) It's cheesy in a good way, but, like, at the beginning, it wasn't hitting me in a good way. Uh, and uh, I realized what it was, was there was a lot more focus on some of the secondary teenage actors that are just not good. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Kyler, the, you know, the the bad boyfriend at the beginning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, he's not good. Like, not just the character's not good, but, like, it's he's not enjoyable to see on the screen. Like, he's just somebody you want him to be hit by the good guy because he's so obnoxiously bad, you know? The the mean girl, like she's just like she doesn't add anything to this. Like n- neither of them are good actors in this. Uh, show, the mean girl, which me. one?
0: I, I, it's been so long. When you say the mean girl, I think of somebody else from seasons two and three. Okay, yeah, the blonde
1: girl in the first season. Who oh, is, like um, the
0: the mean girls type mean girl. Yeah, like vapid. Like
1: yeah. yeah. What's uh, you know I'm bad with names. What's uh, Daniel LaRusso's daughter's name?
0: Oh boy. I I don't remember right now. Yeah. So
1: her like she she's one of the main characters, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Her she has like the the group of two friends that are the cool kid friends, and she like you know is not spending time with her you know uh, nerdy unpopular. Yeah, girl that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So the blonde one of the the her two mean girlfriends, um, and then uh-huh. the other one ends up turning nice and uh, crushing on the the hawk character.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mean, some of the young actors, uh they're if he acting is a little bit more subdued, but like Kyler and the blonde girl are just like unpleasant. And I like that. Just, it was a, like that. That was a big part of what was unenjoyable to watch at the beginning. And a lot of the things were like, so obviously cliche things. And it was like, it's developed a lot in that first season. And on top of that, I mean, you start off with the character of um, the Cobra Kai dude. What's his name? Johnny, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, he's as bad as he can be like he's just a miserable piece of crap which I mean you you start there because you you then you want to see him improve you know Mm -hmm. so by the end of the season you're like oh man look at him like learning you know (laughs) look at him being a better person like that's what made the big difference is the beginning there wasn't a lot of like good stuff to hang your hat on and like you know LaRusso was obnoxious as can be he still is very obnoxious
0: oh yeah he's such a a tool he's yeah it's it's very funny because the show it paints him as like he's he's not the cool dude that he seems like he was from the Karate Kid movies that he's kind of lame (laughs) and it's interesting that I think both him and Johnny both of their proudest moments go back to when they were in high school and they both can't get in over it in their own way and Daniel seems like he has grown and made a a good life for himself. But when it comes down to it, he's still like all (laughs) like out of shape about this whole karate thing. And uh, Johnny's the same way. He's like, man, when I was 17 and a karate master, that was the best time in my life.
1: I love when he told the story of karate kid to, um, you know, to the kid that he's training. Uh Uh-huh. Manuel. Yeah. Yeah. And he tells the story, and it's like nothing he says is wrong exactly, but it's like the depiction is very different, you know. And I love that you know they show the scenes from the original movie and all that, so like it ties you right into it. It 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 is funny because like Le Russo, like obviously has a good life for himself, but and you know in the the show he talks about balance. He's talking to um to Johnny's son. Be helpful if I like, can remember names, but that ain't ever gonna happen. So it's Miguel,
0: not Manuel. I I messed that one up.
1: Yeah, I know you messed it up. You didn't even see I Manuel, just, right? I but... just searched
0: for <laughs> Cobra Kai characters. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: what's Johnny's son name then? Johnny's son
0: is Robbie.
1: Robbie, yeah, there we go. So, um, you know, he's telling Robbie he needs to have balance. And he himself doesn't have balance. That's why he's so bad out of shape about everything with Johnny, is he has no balance with it. So, but it's cool though, because in the in the season you see all of the characters grow and learn and change, including Daniel Russo and 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 Johnny, and like the kids are the obvious ones. And I do kind of like how it ended, where it's like Robbie improved himself, and you know, like he was going down this one path and then changed. But they also didn't pull like just a full reversal, like you know, Miguel goes from being like the the picked on kid to the good guy to the bad guy but then he's kind of in the middle but he doesn't like they don't have him completely turn like at the end it's not like oh let's shake hands and hug you know like he does the dirty thing mm-hmm. and but Johnny learns and tells him like no this isn't the right way and like he still ends up winning the match so like there's a lot more complexity it doesn't follow the same beats and it doesn't just completely reverse the beats of the you know the the movie yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. I'm looking. I, I was up until one in the morning watching it because once I got down to like that last episode, how was I going to stop? How but does I, uh, season I one finish? Season two.
0: I forget how uh, season one finishes.
1: It finishes with uh, Miguel wins the tournament. Johnny kind of has a moment with his son where it's like they don't end up like going off together like Robbie leaves with Daniel. But they have that moment that you see like their relationship starting to patch up. Um, you see, uh, Daniel's daughter start to like walk around the dojo and like do- she does a move. So kind of like, you know, she's gonna foreshadows, dreaming, yeah. she's gonna get into it. But it ends with Johnny's old master showing up at the dojo.
0: Yeah, Crease. That's right. Yeah, Crease. Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm like, my my first instinct is just like, no, I don't want this. I don't want him being there ruining things. But I mean, that's definitely going to create a lot of drama for the show, which I oh, guess is what they want, right? It sure is. <laughs> it's it's uh, funny because
0: the end of season one seems like so long ago to me that it's hard to remember just within the time of the show because so much happens in season two. Season two throws a lot on its head. And um, season three also. Season three was went back more into the cheese a bit more. Mm-hmm. But in a pretty fun way, in a, in a, I, I think it it was it was fu- it was like where you're like happy but groaning at the same time a lot of the time. Yeah. But what really gets awesome as as you'll see when you get to the ends of season two and season three, what they've started doing is they end the seasons with these long one take sequences that are just awesome, and anybody who when, when I just say like the fight at the school will know exactly what I mean. And it's it, they do some really, really cool stuff as, as the show goes on just with like uh, the, the fighting scenes and stuff. So I think season two is even better.
1: Yeah. yeah and I mean the, the way they ended season one, that scene with crease was a really well done scene. Like for such a simple scene, like the acting in it, the, you know, the, the shot and everything like it was a good scene.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's still very unclear what kind of show this is. Like, is this a show where things end up happy in the end? Or is this a show where things end up unhappy in the end? Yeah. And because, you know, Johnny, I always root for him to do the right thing and he seldom does. And that's what's so one of the things that's so fun about the show is just seeing Johnny like incrementally, do better, but then get something thrown at him that makes things worse, and then try to do better, but not being able to and just his journey to becoming a a better person and finding an actual purpose in his life is really, really cool that's really I think what the heart of the show is, and uh, I really enjoy it for that
1: yeah it's it's good stuff. I know you'd be happy to hear that i I watched it so I yeah that'll am be happy. <laughs> that'll be that'll be my focus. We wanna we got Netflix. And we kind of binged on some stuff, and um, like my wife is already trying to wrap up stuff she wants to watch, so we can cut it back off because it's like why waste fifteen bucks a month when we have too much stuff to watch anyways. Mm-hmm. So I got to finish that up, and then last night she was kind of tired, and she's like, "We should watch an episode of The Toys That Made Us," and that's a cool show. It is a cool show. We watched the first season of it like back when it was newer. And so there's a bunch of new stuff since then because we haven't watched it since then. So last night she's like, um, like two of the newer ones are right up my alley Ninja Turtles and Wrestling Toys. So she's oh, like, do yeah. you want to watch one of these or are you too tired or distracted or whatever? We could watch a uh, My Little Pony one. I was like, I was like, we could watch one of those. Like I'm not too distracted or if there's one you want to watch more. And she was just tired and wanted to zone out. So we watched the, uh, the Wrestling Toys one. That was pretty cool. That was fun, but mm-hmm. I digress. Um, well, Paul, thing.
0: I was thinking that we would jump into the meat of the... <laughs> I, I was trying to segue into, like, the meat of our topic.
1: <laughs> the, maybe I was, too. Oh, okay. We, 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 uh, we canceled out our, each other's segues. That was awfully rough.
0: Yes, it sure as was.
1: is Wolverine. it's uh, a rough <laughs> character. Well, I was segue. also
0: trying to do the thing where we, we introduce each other. Oh, well, uh, I am Paul, as you said. You are Sean. That's, that's right, I, I am. And we have an excellent main topic for you. And I thought it was very exciting when we came up with this idea. And I think it's something we can really excel at as we um, discuss this topic. And I am making a lot of puns here that you probably know by now because we're going to talk about X-Men. Are we? Yes. Yes. All right, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you agreed to this, so <laughs> I, I came up with this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, how this started was we were texting back and forth. Eh, what are we going to talk about? And uh, I was like, oh, I don't know. And you're like, Well, what do you think? And so my first thought was, Well, X Men, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, because well, that's something I think we can always talk about.
1: Yeah, we, we've talked about it before from the angle of what we're reading, or you know, even like collecting and. Uh, what makes X-Men so good is the characters, right? Like, yeah. you, you care about the characters. And so I thought, well, let's talk about our favorite characters. It doesn't have to be any kind of long conversation. Um, but like, kind of why they're our favorite characters. So I figured, like, we made a list of 10 characters and split them up. And it doesn't have to be anything big, but kind of what stands out to you about that character. For example, uh, one of the reasons that I, I mean, like, obviously talking about characters is always a good thing, but one of the reasons I like talking about the X-Men characters is, Wolverine, for example. So many people are like, oh, Wolverine, oversaturated. I hate Wolverine. Like, he's not the popular one to like because he's the most popular. You know, it's like everybody hates (laughs) LeBron James because he's the best and so many people like him. So then you get like the opposite with a lot of people. You know, everybody hated John Cena forever because he was just the popular one, but like now you look back and you um you regret not appreciating what you had because, yeah, he was formulaic and stuff, but like he was good at what he did. And you look at like how much he meant to kids and stuff like that. You know, it's like, well, with Wolverine, maybe he's been oversaturated. Yeah. But you're the jerk that read all those comics, you people that think that he's oversaturated. So maybe you shouldn't have read every damn thing. huh Maybe stick with the good stuff. Huh? How about that? Yeah. So my reason for liking Wolverine has nothing to do with the service level stuff, so we'll get into that. But that's why I like talking about the characters, is there's there's more to it there, and you don't get it unless you read the nitty-gritty stuff, and not just, you know, the stuff that's the most obvious right in front of you.
0: We'll jump into it. I mean, hey, Wolverine's a good place to start, right?
1: All right, well, I will start with Wolverine, and I'll tell you right now, Wolverine is uh, super cool and badass,
0: we you know, know that. Actually, before we, we really jump into it, there's one thing that I had in mind that we should do, which is to set the scene a little bit in terms of what X-Men we've read because, you know, I think that there's probably characters that are awesome in eras of X-Men that we just haven't read. So I thought it would be a good idea to talk about what eras of X-Men we've read so people understand where we're coming at this from in terms of, All right. you know, what, what we've read so that will inform what we think of these various characters, I think.
1: So the X-Men that I've read, that pretty much what I'm basing my opinions off of is reading Claremont's Run up to about 250. So that's 94 through 250 plus Giant Size X-Men number one. That, that's, that's the majority of what my basis is on. Cause the other X-Men that I've read was pretty much the stuff that I read right when I started reading comics. That's like, I mean, it's still kind of there, but it's kind of like an afterthought in the back of my head now. Okay. Um, like for example, storm was just a character until i started reading claremont claremont storm is the best storm has ever been and she's been kind of i don't know like blanded out since then in my opinion mm-hmm. um but the rest of what i've read is like kind of bendis era x-men i i read a lot of trades of the event stuff leading up to the Avengers versus X-Men crossover so like a lot of the it was stuff that I really enjoyed reading and I I kind of would like to go back and read it again but you know some cable stuff with like you know him protecting the baby hope and so kind um, of around
0: like Messiah Complex that Yeah Messiah Complex
1: is one uh the no more mutants stuff like with the Scarlet Witch like I really liked that stuff the House of, uh, House of M. X House of M yeah there we go yeah. Like, that era of stuff, though. So, like, I read a whole bunch of it when I first was getting into comics and first reading the X-Men, and then I read the Avengers vs. X-Men event and was like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I kind of, like, I still read X-Men some after that, but faded off, and I've read it some here and there. Like, I really like the characters, and, like, I've read, you know, Hawks and, you know, a little bit of stuff here and there, but... In more recent time, I've been more. If I'm gonna read uh, Marvel comics, I'm pretty much gonna read like that, like 80s era stuff. So that's that's what I've been reading predominantly for the last, like, I guess, few years, probably. So the other stuff is so far back that like my basis isn't really off of that stuff very
0: much. Okay, all right. Well, your reading sounds pretty similar to me. I've read everything in the Claremont era, and then continuing up through. Age of Apocalypse. So that's about 1994. And that includes all the various X books. So it includes New Mutants and X Factor and X-Force and um, stuff like that. And then my reading takes a break from there until when Morrison's New X-Men started in about, I think it was 2000 or 2001. I started reading X-Men again there. And I read it all the way through... About what you were saying, like all those events, like the House of M and then into Messiah Complex and all that stuff until about Avengers versus X-Men. And that's when I was like, huh? I I don't know. This just isn't what I like in X-Men anymore. And I think it was when Marvel was doing all that, like all new Marvel stuff yeah in the early 2010s that's when i just jumped off x-men completely and i didn't get back on until the hickman hox stuff
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty much same with me like i really loosely dabbled in some of that stuff but i did uh, like before avengers versus x-men the the relaunch of uncanny which i don't remember what volume that would be i want to say it was volume like
0: Maybe yeah. You've talked about this uh, several like
1: that's yeah. that was some of the first stuff I read. That was really good. That was the first monthly X Men stuff I read. The first monthly Marvel stuff I read was that and Wolverine and the X Men. Like both of those titles were very good. And I can look back now and be like, oh, Wolverine uh, and the X Men was freaking Jason Aaron, who's awesome. You know,
0: I've heard um, really think, good things about that run.
1: Yeah, like I I didn't read the whole thing, but I honestly like eventually. Like I shared with you recently, I got an iPad so I can use Marvel Unlimited a lot better because it sucks on the Kindle because you have to do like the, I'm going to hack into the Google Play Store to download this. But anyways, I digress. Eventually, I'm going to pop for like a year of that and be able to pound through a lot of that kind of stuff. And that'll be when I revisit some of the stuff that I read when I first started really getting into comics, which is like 10-ish years ago now, which is crazy. It's crazy it's been that long. Anyways.
0: Good. We're happy to have you here, Paul, in this comics world. Thank you. And
1: this was like my third foray into comics, which I've gone over my story of like how I got into comics, Mm -hmm. but it was, we moved to Maine and I got into it in a different way. But anyways, yeah, it's, it's a good run. Like I've discovered through the test of time that I pretty much love Jason Aaron. I definitely love his Marvel stuff. His independent stuff is definitely all good, but some of it isn't for me, but yeah, so anyways, that's that's kind of where I'm coming at. I've done a little bit, like, you were talking about how you read, like, the scope of the X books through the Claremont run stuff. I, I've i dabbled a little bit in the other stuff, but I haven't read this the full scope of everything. A little bit of New Mutants and stuff. And the one the one uh, storyline that I read across all the titles, because I had purchased a trade on Comixology, is uh, the Inferno stuff. Cool. So. All right. All right, so back to my first character. Back to Wolverine. The, the most obvious one is Wolverine. Like, Wolverine's awesome, like, for obvious reasons. Like, the character design is really cool, you know? I like characters like him, art-wise. Like, Bebop and Rocksteady are my favorite Ninja Turtles because their characters are so, like, complex design-wise, you know? Wolverine is that way. Like, he's. He, it's so easy to make him so cool, and then you can add these details that, like, add so much more. What made me love Wolverine, what makes him one of my favorite characters, what makes me say that people who dislike Wolverine because he's oversaturated are the equivalent of people saying that they hate Tom Brady because he's won so many Super Bowls, or they hate LeBron James because he's the best player in the game. You're you're getting lost in stuff and it's your fault you're getting lost in that. Like you're 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 the one choosing to oversaturate yourself by reading too many Wolverine titles through the nineties or whatever. That's why I didn't even read comics in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Going back to like how he starts off in Claremont, like he starts off pretty base, but like the other X-Men are always just ragging on him. And it it does a lot, too, to build the dynamic of the group where it's like they're there to be accepting, but they're really not accepting of Wolverine. He has a high level of confidence, like he doesn't need them for his self-worth, like his his uh, opinion of himself isn't based on those around him, you know, like he knows who he is. They don't, and they're not trying to, so they're just crapping on him left and right. Like, everything he does. And as, the, you know, they do, as Claremont develops the characters, he starts calling them out on it at times. And, um, like, it's been so long since I've read the issues, that I couldn't tell you the specifics, but when... He has to make choices and, you know, everybody's reaction, like literally everybody to it's not just like Cyclops, who's like, you know, the cliche of being a dick to Wolverine, but like when Storm is like, oh, you nasty little man, basically, you know, and everybody's like that to him. And then he does stuff that has to be done and calls them out on it And is like, you don't know what it's like to have to make these decisions and do the things I have to do, you know? But you know, he basically calls them out for judging him. And when they see times where he does what has to be done that they wouldn't have the guts to do because they wouldn't be able to make that decision and do what has to be done. Like when they start to see him do those things and they realize that they're wrong, like the dynamic really changes. That's when I loved Wolverine. Like he always did the tough stuff. He, he did the things that could be the really tough choices to make, you know, the sacrificing one to save a hundred. That's like a what? That's like a philosophical question. Like, you know, would you let one person die to save a hundred people?
0: Yeah, he's definitely the one that switches the tracks on the trolley.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really easy to be passive and be like, no, I couldn't make that decision, so I'm going to let a hundred people die instead of my action being the one that chooses to kill one. No, he'll he'll kill the one because it has to happen. And I mean, throughout the years of Wolverine, and not just in Claremont stuff, but in other times too, like you see the times where he has to do the hard thing. Like he's the one that's ready to kill Jean Grey. Cause she asks them to, you know, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of character to do that. Um, like life equivalency for me, my mom had cancer. Things are good now. Uh, happy end of the story. But when we didn't know how things were going to go, she made me the one who was going to be the one that had to make the decisions. If like, if we had to pull the plug or stuff like that, like if, if things went bad and if the cancer killed her, you know, if it was going to kill her, like I had to make those tough choices because she knew I could make the choices. And that it, you know, the people that would have problems with it, that I I wouldn't have a problem putting them in their place. Whereas with, like, my sisters, it would be too hard on them. They'd have a harder time making the choice and, you know, taking the consequences of being the one who has to make the choice. That's like, that's what Wolverine is. Like, he's, he will do the thing that has to be done. And, you know, it's good for him that he has this group of, uh, you know, mostly friends, but, you know, at least people who are trying to work in the same direction as him that are there to guide him sometimes because it's not like he's perfect. You know, he's he's an operator. He does what has to be done, and he has others to, to rein him in sometimes when he needs to be reined in.
0: It's interesting to think that Wolverine could have ended up as a villain if he hadn't made his way to the X-Men mm-hmm. because I think the he cares about the X-Men a lot, and he doesn't really vocalize that all the time and i think that's one of the things that's really interesting is he tends to make how he feels known through his actions rather than what he says mm-hmm. and he tends to be a very kind of silent type but his actions show that he very much cares for this family of people that he has found for himself the x-men And that's what I like.
1: Yeah. And you like uh, a great example of how you see his character too, where he actually is more illicit with it is like with, um, like with Kitty, she is a child. She needs somebody to show a little more softness. So even though he's like, he's the hard one, she's the one he'll show a little bit more softness to rather than just be a hard shell, you know, with kind of good actions behind
0: it. Yeah. I think that we could probably talk about Wolverine for a whole episode, (laughs) but uh, I remember I Wolverine was the first superhero comic book that I ever bought. Once I decided I wanted to read more than just GI Joe comics, I bought Wolverine issue 36, which is this awesome cover of Wolverine smoking his cigar and holding a giant machine gun drawn by Mark Silvestri and nice. it's, it's just so, so kicks butt. And so I started reading Wolverine first, and then I started reading X-Men, and that's how it all kind of took off. So Wolverine has always really been my favorite characters because when he's good, he's really good. That just kind of grim loner but who has a heart character is really great, and he just exemplifies that and so yeah I really I'll, like ta- I'll actually
1: end up talking about one of my favorite uh instances of him like being an operator and having to get stuff done when I talk about another character too hmm. okay uh who would you like to bring up
0: well I'm going to jump straight down the list to a uh, counterpoint of Wolverine because I think it is appropriate and that is jubilee and one of the things that I like most about jubilee is how much she is at odds to wolverine and their friendship is is really great i remember a friend of mine once we were we were at a con and it was when i worked with my buddy christian at his booth selling comics and he was asked wait so like what's jubilee's superpower because it's kind of nebulous like what does she actually do and i said well her power is that she's friends with wolverine and because that's a, a pretty darn good superpower to have when you've got a wolverine as your backup you're that's about as as good as it gets kind of reminds me of hand grenade man from the tick comics where his superpower is that well he has a grenade so <laughs> <laughs> what else do you need
1: what is her power though she she has like uh a... I know it's something like of the explosive variety, right?
0: Yeah, but they're they're not like explosive in like a boom. They're more of like a flash. She's no. kind of like a mix between dazzler and boom boom is That's what I was of, just thinking. <laughs> kind of like she's she's the halfway point. It's the way I always thought about it, it's like she makes water balloons, except the water balloons are full of light. That's like what it's visually kind of portrayed as. And so you throw a water balloon at somebody and it breaks and they get water over them. And so you throw these water balloons of light at people and, well, they burst and then they are maybe blinded. (laughs) And that's kind of it, (laughs) right? Uh, (laughs) She she doesn't have a great superpower. But I always like Jubilee in terms of her perspective and attitude that she brings to the X-Men. And I think that... She was a similar character to Kitty Pride in terms of trying to bring this youthful view towards the X Men. And while Kitty Pride, I never really liked her as a member of the X Men when she was a young teenager. I like Kitty Pride a lot more as she started to get older and more mature, more of like starting in Excalibur, is where mm-hmm. I start to like Kitty Pride a bit more. But Jubilee, from the beginning, I really like that young character who's she just kind of decides, well, I'm an orphan and I got nothing better to do, so I'm going to just join up with these X-Men and hope for the best and see what happens. And then she becomes an X-Men and has all these crazy adventures and she's always this kind of like voice of disbelief and perspective that like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like, uh I I'm totally out of my element and this is weird and nuts. And I really, I like that perspective. And I also yeah. like her relationship with Wolverine because I think that she provides this lighthearted, gentle side, kind of how Kitty did. But I think mm-hmm. Jubilee, in my mind, is the best of those characters because they had it a little bit with Kitty Pride, Then they really had it with Jubilee. I think they... They tried to do it a bit with the uh, I, f- I forget her name now, but there was a character who had like fairy wings in those those kind of like mid two thousands issues that they tried to develop that with Wolverine, but it, it didn't quite stick with me. But Jubilee's always to me been the best of that type of character, that kind of like young, fresh, optimistic take.
1: On yeah. It. Yeah, I, I'm right at the beginning of Jubilee. Like, I, I've read one issue of Jubilee because it was like, there's the one where it's like the the ladies day out and then the men's day out. I'm, I read the men's day out issue, but uh, it's like divergent from the Jubilee story. So I haven't, like, I'm right there right now. So I don't have much to add to Jubilee. But, uh, since you mentioned her, I'll, I'll segue us over to Kitty Pride, who I, I chose as one of my favorite characters. So she's one example of a character that I liked more from what I read post Claremont, then when I jumped back to Claremont because like, I mean what she's done in X-Men going back to what I said, I started reading. So like the, when the hell was that? Like around 2010s, like probably the, the like late two thousands to like the early 2010s, like that, that era where I was reading.
0: I remember her being good in astonishing X-Men, the Joss Whedon.
1: Movie. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's another... So, I've read Astonishing X-Men. Um I've read uh New X-Men we talked about a little bit. I don't know what her role was in that, but, like, you know, th- those are a couple other things I didn't think to mention before. But sh- she has the role of maturity. Like, she's the one that has to make mature decisions and be a leader, like an adult. But she's not a little bitch like Cyclops. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: you know, I I've never been super fond of Cyclops. And I like we've talked about Cyclops before and you didn't choose him for your list either, so I don't have to feel bad about saying things about him. Like Cyclops is always in that tough spot, but man was he a little bitch every chance he got. Like he just he kind of was, like every time he could falter and it shows that like it it did something good as far as like setting examples or showing character. It's like it's, it's not Having to be a tough man doesn't mean you can't falter and accept that you need to take a step back, you know, or go off and do your own thing. Like, you don't always have to be 100%. I think that's something that's important for people to to see and to know. But then when you get a character like Kitty Pride who isn't the prototypical tough leader type that has the tenacity to do what has to be done no matter what, like, that also is, sh- is showing something very strong. I mean, her beginning in the story, which is I'm now much more familiar with, of course, she was, you know, like the 14-year-old teenager, and then you see her grow into this adult that is a tough leader no matter what and doesn't falter, even though they're, like, they, they stem from this weak little girl, whereas Cyclops is this, you know, big, strong guy that shoots lasers out of his face, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, not to keep bashing on, on Cyclops or thing, but like it like you need that kind of dichotomy and it shows different things. Like it shows you can be tough even if other people would look at you and think you're weak. You can look infallible and have weakness that you need to address and need to you know, you need to be able to take care of yourself, you know, and Cyclops represents that at times. So I I've always liked Kitty Pride kinda of for that. Um she's she's a very tough character without just being the, you know, boy scout or being the you know the big strong guy.
0: She's also I think really good at being the one of the characters that is going to call out BS. Like I'm thinking back to God Loves Man Kills mm-hmm. how she's one of the first to call out the essentially racism that she's seeing and the discrimination and she just calls it like she sees it. And she also does similar stuff like that in uh, New Mutants. Also, there's mm-hmm. uh, a couple stories with her in that where she excels in that sort of a role, and I think she's really, really good at at that in in terms of sticking up for what's right and not just letting it go by, but saying something about it.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's funny at, at work. We just had a, a meeting, and there are certain things that we do, kind of developmentally and social ways. And uh, the thing we just did was talking about racism in different ways and the way it applies to this is that you can't just be not racist you have to be anti-racist which means that like we're just saying about kitty if you see something that's wrong you got to say something about it you know and that's what kitty was you know she couldn't let you know see somebody doing something that was wrong and just turn a blind eye and be like that's not me i'm not that she would say like hey you asshole you know (laughs) like that's not okay Uh and that's 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 how we all need to be. Like when we see something wrong, we need to be able to like stand up and say that's wrong. Um, You know, I think a lot of things that we see in the world nowadays is people are quick to label somebody as racist rather than stand up against the thing that's wrong. It's a lot easier to be like, well, you're a racist, but then you use that every time you disagree with somebody, and that's what like erodes a lot of progress. But being able to say. You know, n- not call somebody a name, but then be like, hey, look, this behavior is not okay. Like, we can do that with people we interact with online, but we can do it with our family and our friends and, and you know, people right by us. And that's where change is made, And that's what Kitty Pride represented. And to have represented that from a 14-year-old, obviously she's not like a real 14-year-old. This is a grown-up man that wrote her. But that's where her character stemmed from. And that's where, like, when she's an adult, like, she has all this strength because she's always been rigidly opposed to what's wrong yeah who's your next one
0: okay all right so i'm gonna go jump up to the top of my list and that is storm i think storm is one of those core characters of the x-men and one of the core characters that defines it and is also just great on her own and What I remember about Storm, the issues that really made me like her, are the life-death issues. These were from the Uncanny Run. I think they're 186 and 198. And they're drawn by Barry Windsor Smith. And they're not really action-packed in any way. They're just these very slow, quiet, Character pieces about Storm coming to terms with the fact that she doesn't have her powers anymore, because this is after she lost her powers because Forge had blah 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 anti mutant weapon and she targeting Rogue and Storm got in the way, etc. 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 But for a long time, Storm didn't have any powers, and so these stories showed her dealing with that fact and dealing with who she was and who who was she. In light of not having those powers, so that's the first storm that really jumped out at me was just the the strength of her character, and then also, and I mean strength and the the sense of like being able to deal with hardship in a mature way. That's I guess what I mean when I say strength yeah. of character. You know, I I think people say strong characters, and uh, but I think. That's always like, well, what does that mean to be a strong character? And I think in Storm, it means dealing with hardship in in the, that very mature way. And, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> and, and then the other stories that really made me like her are the stories where she took control of the X-Men and she became the leader after Scott leaves. And Claremont really writes her as very different from Cyclops, which I appreciate. In fact, the difference kind of runs uh, contrary to Cyclops's leadership in a lot of ways, where she sees each of the team members as an individual. And she thinks about, well, what can this person best contribute to this team? And how can I form this team based around who these people are? Versus Scott seems to be more of, well, let me take these people and turn them into a team storm seems more focused on let me see what type of team I have based on who these people are and I really like that she has a way to be very understanding about who characters are and also being just tough and totally badass at the same time
1: yeah I think what makes her awesome is she's she's doing her strength is occurring through vulnerability like she's She's never trying to shield her vulnerabilities, like they're always something that is being dealt with, even when she has her powers, like her severe claustrophobia, I guess you know like she mm-hmm. she doesn't like feeling trapped in and that- that's something that can shut her down um That's one example, but then when she doesn't have her powers, she continues to to be strong without even having powers, whereas you know most characters would be like i'm I gotta sit this one out, I don't have powers." She Mm -hmm. beats Cyclops for control of the X-Men in like an exhibition match without powers while he has powers. So she has this higher level of strength because she's always operating with her vulnerability being there. Whereas like Cyclops has to like put away his vulnerability to operate and then for him to like confront his vulnerability, he's then unable to be a leader. And that's what we see through him, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. All right, I uh, oh here, here's a question for you. Best storm costume?
1: That's a good question. Like I always was more drawn to the like her first costume until I actually read through the story when she like started doing the mohawk and leather, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and seeing her actually like develop into that and be like, I'm gonna be different because I've always done things the same way and I can be who I want to be. I don't have to try to be something. Made me like that a lot more. Um, I like both of those. Like, it's hard to say like which is my favorite. I will say that uh, the pop vinyl, and it's coincidence that it's one that I have. But like the pop vinyl I have of Storm is the Mohawk Storm, and it's pretty badass. So.
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah, I've always liked the Mohawk Storm the best. It just visually, I think it's a great outfit, and when you read the stories about what it means, I think that it really excels. Plus, I think it's the best. Marvel Legends action figure of Storm is that <laughs> outfit. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, very that's dynamic. Also, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: So speaking of dynamic uh, character design, I'll move into my next one, which is Nightcrawler. Cool. Once again, he's one that's easy to, to like a lot because how cool his character looks. But what I what makes me love Nightcrawler as a character is is how genuine he is. Like he's a very genuine person. Uh, and that's always been, like, the biggest component of his character. You know, like, he genuinely cares about those around him. And, you know, he's he's playful, and he's fun, and he's flirtatious. And, you know, he's also this blue demon that can, uh, you know, teleport. But what makes him matter so much, like, you see it in stuff like his relationship with, like, with Kitty Pryde, you know. And he's so genuine with everybody that the the bonds he makes with people are, are I mean they're pretty much infallible because there's like there's no BS in there like he really is who he is and he really cares about people I don't think you really got to say a lot more about Nightcrawler I think like what makes his character the best really is the most surface level thing about his character that's how genuine he is like digging down deeper into you know his background and you know the the pain in his past and stuff like that just goes to highlight what you already know. You know, so that's, I don't have much more to say about Nightcrawler, but he's, I think my top three X-Men members are still Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Storm, and uh, yeah, Nightcrawler I think is just an, an easy one to throw in there, but a meaningful one still.
0: Nightcrawler's another one that I didn't like as much until Excalibur. I think Excalibur is really where he shines, where he becomes this kind of de facto second in command of the Excalibur team when uh, Captain Britain is, either can't do it or won't do it or is has a stick up his butt for some other reason. I think he really comes into his own there. And also his playfulness really shines there, I think, a lot. And that's one thing that is, is great about his character is that he's... I like how playful and fun he is with things. You know, it's, he has every reason to be this dark brooding character based on what's happened to him and his past and how he looks. But instead he becomes this just center of joy and fun for people. And I think that that is a really cool thing about his character.
1: Yeah. Who's your next one?
0: Okay. Next up for me is Colossus. And this is one that is partially just based on how he looks because mm-hmm. I think that design-wise, he just looks awesome. This big steel armored man who is just gigantic and super strong, I think is, is really cool. But what I like about him is that he is an artist and he's a painter and he has that, that this really gentle side to him. And it doesn't always come out, but when it does, it's very, very striking. Like, it's, it became very clear after he went through the Siege Perilous, and he lost his memories of who he was, and he was just a artist up in, in New York. And it showed just that side of him very well, where, like, he has this gentle side of that. I keep saying gentle side, <laughs> but that's what I think of. He seems to uh, appreciate things in that way. And I just, I I really like that character of the, the mix of the thoughtful, quiet artist also being the biggest and strongest guy on the team. And so I think that that really gets to a lot of why I like him. He's always seemed like kind of a supporting character in X-Men. He's never like, the main event I can't think of a lot of great Colossus stories that are just Colossus stories like there's a few single issues here and there where he gets to shine but there's no like like with Wolverine there's a lot of issues like a lot of stories where he gets to shine and with Storm there's a lot of issues where she really gets to shine. And even like when you get into Excalibur, there's a lot of stuff where Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler really get to shine, but Colossus always kind of has seemed a bit of a supporting character, but I still just really enjoy him.
1: Yeah, he's he's never a leader. He's never yeah. like everybody else has times where they're a leader. He's never a leader. Um he's one of those guys with you know great strengths and abilities but like leadership is absolutely just not one of them he's, he's never a leader mm-hmm. um i was trying to think of an example of that and uh what comes to mind is dwight howard because i was trying to think of like big guys you know it's like in basketball like the big centers are like the big guys you know like you go back to the days of like centers meaning more and you got guys like shack and like they're the dominant guys and they're the leaders and kind of as the game started changing. He had Dwight Howard who had all this ability and the reason he never accomplished a ton was he was never a leader. Um, he did not have the, that ability in him at all. Um, but he had all these other strengths. So he was best when he could use his strengths but somebody else was leading. That's kind of like Colossus. He has his strengths. But he he is who he is and he he knows who he is. He has that like connection with his artistic side and stuff like that. Um, so he's not just like, you know, I'm this big strong guy so I'm going to go thug out. He just is a, person who happens to be a big, strong guy that can turn into metal. Yeah. To segue off of him to one of my characters, uh, so I chose a, a villain for one of mine. And one of the things I thought about when I, I chose this character, actually, was most of the time, really good comics have really good villains. And I kind of realized X-Men is not centered around having a ton of really good villains to go against, because like, their biggest nemesis is... Like the evils in the world, not a, a you know dastardly character.
0: Yeah, and the best villains are the ones that are just on the other side of that. Like Magneto, it's I think mm-hmm. really easy to say, oh, Magneto's the best villain.
1: Yeah, he's like he's their their quote biggest villain. He's been part of them at times. Like he's not as he's not as a uh, the polar opposite type of villain as you usually get. Where it's like, well, this guy is just bad, and they just got to fight against him. And you want to see him get punched in the face. Magneto's mm-hmm. way more complex than that. And like he's barely on the other side of the coin from what they, they are. You know, I mean, they have like the same the same goal with different ideology.
0: Yeah. They just have a different ideas of the means to achieve it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but So I, I chose Juggernaut and Colossus is the perfect uh, person to follow this up with because he is just he's a fun villain. He's a dynamic character. He's a big thug. But you get to have a lot of fun with him. and like uh, One of my absolute favorite issues is the issue where Wolverine and Nightcrawler take Colossus to the bar to get him drunk so Wolverine can kick his ass to teach him a lesson for cheating on Kitty with an alien and being so callous about it. And so they go to the bar and Juggernaut happens to be there and Colossus picks a fight with Juggernaut and gets his ass whipped by Juggernaut. And serves the purpose. So Wolverine's like, "Hey, hey, Nightcrawler, let's just let's just hang back and let this play out." And mm-hmm. I love that issue, uh, not only because of the the you know the X Men side of it, but ju- it shows things of Juggernaut's character that you don't often see. Like it's his favorite bar. He's just there trying to be a guy having a drink, and he's pissed off because he's just there being a guy having a drink, and he's getting bothered by these stupid heroes. Uh huh. They destroy the bar, and he goes, like, hey, here's a whole bunch of money. Fix this bar, because it's my favorite place. Sorry about the damage, you know? So, like, you see these different sides, whereas, you know, like, I mean, most villains wouldn't care about the damage they cause to innocent people. And it kind of shows that side of a villain, where it's, like, even
0: villains have something they care about, you know? (laughs) And, uh... It reminds me of, I think that there's an issue where the X-Men are in some town and Juggernaut just, like, drives in in his sports car. Yeah. And he's just kind of hanging out. And he's just doing his thing. And then the X-Men are like, oh, it's a Juggernaut. We got to kick his ass. And he's like, no. Like, come on, man. I'm on vacation.
1: <laughs> and it's kind of funny because it, it creates this dynamic, too, of, uh, you know, is a does, does a villain deserve peace? Like, if they're a villain, like... They belong to just be in jail, right? So, but if you're a superhero and they're a supervillain, like, are there times where you go, like, uh, you know, nope, you go about your, your thing, you know, you're, you're not villainizing right now, so we're going to let you be. It makes me think of the uh, the old Wile E. Coyote cartoons, where, like, it's the, the dog and Wile E. Coyote, and the dog is just, like, trying to stop Wile E. Coyote all the time and, like, beating the crap out of him because he keeps on catching him because, obviously, Wile E. Coyote's an idiot. Mm-hmm. But then they check out at the end of the day and go home. All right, see you tomorrow. You know, and they're checking out their time card and going home. And, like, just, it's just their job, you know? Like, do you know those cartoons?
0: Oh, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: you know, it's, so, okay, it's like, all right, you know, Juggernaut, yeah. You know, we're off the clock right now. (laughs) You know, don't you get in any trouble, you know?
0: Yeah, uh uh-huh.
1: I like Juggernaut. He also has some incredible issues with, Like, some of the the ones I've read more recently with some of the female characters. Like, there's one where he has these going-ons with Dazzler, I I believe it is. Uh, Like, his his interaction with some of the female characters is really cool because he's not just, you know, mustache-twirling villain wants to kill whoever's good. Like, he's a little more like, all right, you're a lady. I don't really want to beat you up, but I'm going to be villainizing over here. So just, you know... You stay over there. I'm going to do my thing. But then they try to stop me. He's like, come on. I don't want to have to do this. And, you Uh know, like it it creates some some really good stories. Uh, And he's a character that I like. And just like character design wise, I think he's pretty awesome. So um, who is your next one?
0: Okay, my next is Cable. And this is a character that when first reading his stuff, like when he first appears in New Mutants and then into the very beginning of x-force where it was very influenced by R- rob Leafield. he's very much just i i'm a angry guy with big guns and i'm a gruff old man who's a soldier and i'm gonna teach you kids how to be soldiers and that's kind of it but later in the 90s once the beginning of the n- 90s is over the kind of Image Comics aspect of influence on the X-Men, once it moves past that, I think is when a 90s X-Men becomes really, really good in its own way. And one of those characters that I came to really like a lot from that era of X-Men, once Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld had left Marvel and gone on to Image, and that Marvel had to find other people to then continue their X line that's really where Cable starts to become really really good and we learn more about a lot of like the tragedy in his past and a lot of what has gone on to make him who he is and why he is the way he is and what he's trying to do and I just kind of similar to Wolverine in that he is this tough guy who's willing to make the hard decisions and do the hard thing. He's kind of like that, but in a very different way. He's kind of in a very like kind of grizzled grandpa sort of way.
1: Yeah, and I mean he knows what's coming in the future. He's coming back from the future to try to change you know, change things, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: he he knows what he's fighting against, whereas Wolverine knows the nature of things and, and the things that have to be done, but he doesn't actually know the events that will happen if he doesn't make certain choices. Uh, but they both do the same thing, where it's like these things that could be awful sometimes have to be done. And it's hard to have the courage to do that, even like in Cable's case, where you might literally know the consequences of doing this or not doing this.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and... I haven't gotten up to Cable in my reading right now. Um, I've read some stuff, obviously, with, like, the stuff I said that I read when I started reading X-Men that was heavily involved with Cable. So like, I know Cable's character from that, but I'm looking forward to getting to the point of him being introduced in Claremont's X-Men and then going on from there. And it's like, I, I kind of equally am looking forward to and dreading getting into the 90s because uh, there's some stuff I'm not very eager to, uh, to read, but there's... Like, I'm also looking forward to finally reading it, you know, at the same time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, I think it's funny, like, you know, people love Liefeld and Jim Lee, right, for various reasons. Nothing I know about them or what they contributed other than, like, just the dynamic of their art seems like it did anything really good. And then they went on to Image and, like, I don't like anything they did with Image. You know, it's like that, that whole era of comics, like, that's why I didn't read comics is they weren't appealing to me. Um, yeah. and like, it amazes me how people, because obviously I wasn't there experiencing it at the time. Uh, and it's going to be different looking back on it than being, you know, a kid or a teenager reading these things. I, I don't get the, the whole fascination with them, but you know, like I also know that they, the huge impacts they had on everything. So like, I'm not saying I don't understand that, but like the, the impacts they had are kind of the ones I'm like, all right, that's cool that you did that, but I'm not interested, you know?
0: Uh,
1: uh-huh. um, I mean, you just saying that, which you just said about cable where it's like, once they left, things got better kind of tracks with everything I've heard.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I'm looking forward to knowing more about cable. Uh, he's definitely one that kind of hits past where my knowledge base is right now.
0: Yeah. Interestingly, having read a lot of the, nineties uh, X-Men stuff, at least up to like the mid nineties, like the early to mid nineties X-Men stuff, really, really good. Once you just get past the image year or year and a half of it, which isn't really that long. Rob Leefield left X-Force after like a dozen issues or so, and same thing with Jim Lee and the adjectiveless X-Men title. And so, like, once they depart and go to Image, X-Men becomes really, really good again across all the titles. And, in fact, even uh, a lot of... Uh, the reason why the next character on my list is on the list is because of what happens in one of those titles. Awesome. Which we'll get to after yours.
1: Yeah, so my my last one, then we hit your last one, then we'll wrap it up. Uh, my last one is Rogue. Uh, Rogue is a character that I knew her first because of the 90s cartoon. Uh, so, like, she was one of the, like, that first body of characters that I knew of. Uh, so reading-wise... Like, she's, she's never really stood out to me hugely in the more modern stuff. And going back to reading Claremont stuff, and then when she starts to get introduced, like, I didn't really like her character very much at first, um, which should be pretty obvious, because she was a, a villain turning good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the... The only interesting there is the stereotypical stuff, like, you don't trust me. It's like, yeah, you were just a villain, but then also, like, the good guys are, you know, blatantly, you know, okay, you're part of our team, but we're still just going to be like, we don't trust you all the time, and, like, we can't get past that. Kind of like with Wolverine at the beginning, where they're just like, you're just a nasty man, and it's like, why don't you try to pull your head out of your butts a little bit, huh? Um (laughs) Rogue was kind of like that, uh, where I start liking Rogue is when Wolverine starts trusting her because he sees past the surface level stuff quicker than everybody else that can't get past their own biases, essentially. And she can do like what he does. She can be an operator and do what needs to be done. And I, I mentioned that I was gonna talk a little bit more about, uh, a good instance of Wolverine doing that and there are issues. I wanna say it's, uh, Genosha stuff um, where they have to like go in and figure out what's going on and, and try to rescue somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. So they're like
1: going in as like a two person crew and doing what has to be done and like I think that that was a good example of peak Rogue as far as what she can do. But then character wise with Rogue seeing her just be like one of the girls in some of those issues is fun because like she's you know, you see her get to settle in and and try to actually be a person instead of, um, you know, being somebody who's so wrought with the complications of her life. You know, I mean, there's quite a few characters that are like that, that they've gone through so many things in life that that just defines who they are. But Rogue is in a position where she can try to fight against that and try to be a person on top of. Being, uh, you know, an X-Men or a former villain or these different things that are, you know, part of who she is, but not what has to define her.
0: I really like Rogue a lot, too. And when we were first making our list, she was one that was on both of our lists. She stood out to me, like, from the beginning. She was one of my favorite characters. Just, I think, visually, I thought she was really cool. And I liked... She has this interesting... I want to get close to you, but I can't get close to you because my powers, I can't actually touch you. And, you know, that's a, a problem. And that's always like a, an aspect of her character. And she's, she's, she's like this mix of sensitive with really like a hard kick butt character at the same time. And I really like that about her. Yeah. Okay, so I guess I'm going to go to my last character. And this is Cannonball. And I think that Cannonball is not a character who would make anybody's favorite character list. <laughs> I He doesn't always seem exactly like a fan favorite to me in almost any way whatsoever. And uh, But he's one of these characters that I started to really like because of the early to mid-90s X-Force run. And especially once Cable leaves the book and leaves the team, and Cannonball has to become a leader and he has to lead this team that is essentially a much more militarized version of the x-men and he really comes into his own and becomes a really really great leader for this next generation and in a lot of ways i feel like he kind of mixes a lot of the best aspects of cyclops with some of the best aspects of storm as a leader. And I, I always thought it would make a lot of sense for him to be groomed as one of the next major leaders of the X-Men, because that's really where his character is going through like the early to mid nineties. It seems like once we got to the 2010s, he was kind of not a major player in, in the X-Men, but he definitely has that ability to be, I think one of the great X-Men leaders like I in a way I feel like it's it's a shame that the three most well-known X-Men leaders aren't Cyclops, Storm and Cannonball uh, because I think that his character has that potential in it even if it hasn't quite been told at least not in the books that I've read.
1: Yeah he's one I like I know his name but don't know him well because I haven't gotten to that reading, and like if he's X Force mm-hmm. too, like he's going to be tangential to what I'm focusing on anyway. So like I won't just naturally come across that. But yeah, he he was one that uh he was the one that I asked you for one more so we could round out the list, and he's who mm-hmm. you threw in there. But yeah, I mean a few of your Colossus, well not Colossus, sorry Cable, Jubilee, and Cannonball are all ones that like I haven't developed my knowledge of them yet. So it's kind of cool seeing the you know you pull from some later stuff that I haven't gotten to yet.
0: Yeah, these are all characters that. Before reading the stuff from the 90s, I never would have picked as favorite characters. It's not until I've read that stuff that these characters make that list. If I had only read up to like the end of the Claremont run and the very beginnings of the Jim Lee, Rob Leefield era, uh, like Cable and Cannonball and probably Jubilee wouldn't be on that list at all.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the the downside, well, I mean, there's plenty of downsides, but, like, the kind of burn and churn way that stuff is done now, where it's like, let's do all this stuff, and let's just, like, burn it all down and do it again, is you get characters, and that's where, like, you know, people say Wolverine is oversaturated, because he's such a dynamic character that he's always in there, you know, he's not put on the shelf, uh, The Uh fo- there's not the time to turn a focus to a smaller character, because... All Marvel's gonna do is burn it down and bring it back up again. And mm. that's where, like, we've talked about, um, what Hickman is doing. Hickman is digging deep into the pool of characters. Um, and he's in a position where he knows he's gonna have more control for a longer time so he could do what he wants to do. Uh, so we're able to see with him. I mean, uh, was it Moira McTaggart is a very central character to what he's had going on. Who yeah. has been a character that, like, what has she meant otherwise, other than, like, her, you know, the the role she played when she was, you know, first involved. Like, even Claremont didn't really keep on doing along with her. Um, but in between, it's like, where has she been? You know, she's a character that even if she shows up is going to just be, you know, minimal or fodder or whatever. And now Hickman comes along and is like, hey, let's focus on this character and develop this character and get into this character. I think that's one of the things that makes what Hickman is doing. Like, even if you're not uh, enthralled in the stories, he's building something more that all we've seen to do is get burned down over and over and over and over again. So, yeah, let's let him get his hands on cannonball.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that that would be awesome. I would love that.
1: All right, so there's our uh, our top 10 favorite uh, X-Men characters between the two of us. Uh, we had a lot of overlap on that list, filled it out with some other characters. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was a good conversation. Good talking.
0: Yeah, I bet we could do uh, another top 10 favorite X-Men characters pretty easily and talk about a lot more. Yeah, honestly,
1: cause... the next top 10 will be more fun. Well, I guess, like, not top 10, the second 10. The next
0: 10. <laughs> second 10. <laughs>
1: Because you get into those characters that are are more nuanced, you know, or a little more, you know, niche and stuff like that. So I'll uh, I'll keep this list and we'll do this again and dig deeper into our our pools of of characters that we like. That's when we'll we'll start getting down to some more interesting characters and, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cool. All right. I like it. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. You can find more episodes wherever you found this one, such as the Apple podcast thing, or the Stitcher thing, or the Spotify thing, or I even got a notification that now we're on some other new podcast hosting service thing. So we should be just about everywhere you want to find us. I'm at Twitter at BadDeacon, and where are you, Paul?
1: I'm on Twitter at Who's Paul.
0: All right, and you can send us a message there. That's our preferred social media method, and we will... Be talking again soon for you to listen to.